You're listening to the Optimal Performance Podcast. The OPP is brought to you by Natural Stacks, makers of 100% natural and open source supplements designed to help you live optimal. For more information on how to build optimal mental and physical performance into your life, go to naturalstacks.com. Oh, what up, everybody? Before we jump into this episode, as I customarily do, I'm going to talk about one of the products that I take from Natural Stacks that I really dig, and today it is the serotonin brain food. We had somebody on our Facebook group ask us just recently, how do you take this? When do you when do you take the serotonin brain food? And for me, I usually take it, uh, I, when I take it in the mornings, I take it in mornings where I know I'm walking into a buzzsaw, where days are stressful, where I'm going to have to be dealing with difficult people or having difficult conversations. And I use it as a way to sort of round off the edges of um, sort of an edgy demeanor. And... Um, it's really effective. It really does. The stuff that you think is going to really bug you doesn't. And it's, it's from, from the serotonin brain food, or I'll take it in the afternoon when I've had a day that did not go according to plan. And I front loaded the first part of my day with, uh, with nootropics like the acetylcholine brain food or Siltap or, um, caffeine, lots of coffee. Uh, I'll take the serotonin brain food in the afternoon to begin to wind down um, way ahead of time. So uh, the serotonin brain food is it's a really, really powerful, really consistent, really effective um, natural tool to kind of chill out. And uh, I really dig it. Which brings me seamlessly into my next point. We're doing a BOGO offer, gang. A buy one, get one. You know, if you're a regular listener and you have heard these episodes and you dig them and and you know it's it's one of our most favorite things to do is to, to dissect improving mental performance and we want to get to the heart of it. We want to figure out uh, how we can all feel smarter, remember more, accomplish more and feel happier throughout the day and eating a healthy diet, working out, prioritizing sleep, having love in your life, all of these things are great ways to build the brain that you want but sometimes your brain needs a little extra something and uh, that's why we've developed uh, these brain food products. Uh, the acetylcholine brain food for mental clarity, serotonin for positive mood, dopamine for mental drive, and GABA for calm and relaxation. And right now, we're doing dat BOGO, dat BOGO. So we're running a special offer for which is a buy one, get one on all the brain food lines. That's all of the brain food products that we sell on naturalstacks.com. You can use the code BOGO at checkout and that will turn any single of bo- any single bottle of our uh, brain food lines will turn into two. It's a buy one, get one. It's a BOGO. So use that code BOGO on any of the brain food supplement lines that we carry and go ahead and enjoy yourself smarter, more positive, more clear, more motivated, and more relaxed. Thanks, gang. On today's episode of the Optimal Performance Podcast, we sit down with Mary Shenuda, who you might know as the Paleo Chef. And for those of you longtime listeners, Mary appeared on the OPP on episode 112 entitled Make Beep Happen. And she is a really, this is a really cool 
podcast because she and I just sort of riff back and forth, chit-chatting about the things that she works on, the mentality it takes, how she came to be who she is, and the things that she's working on now. If you haven't tried Fat Fudge, you can get it just about everywhere. Any health food store, it's available. Um, She's coming out with some new stuff. And we dig into um, lifestyle and also some sort of philosophical views on, on sort of modern living. And it's she is one of the most refreshing quote unquote personalities in the personal development performance biohacking realm and she's she's super down to earth and she works her ass off and just really really enjoyed our conversation um check out click through to her to her stuff Uh, all her content is really really impressive and uh, and the products that she that she delivers are delicious and uh, high quality. So enjoy, please, this episode with the Paleo Chef. You're listening to the Optimal Performance Podcast, and I'm your host, Sean McCormick. It's the OPP. I'm a performance coach, a wellness entrepreneur blogger, a speaker, a biohacker, and it's my privilege to bring to you the leading experts in the field of performance. So let's dig right in. That's it. <laughs> and we're off to the races. Now, we, we, were, we were just talking about, uh, it's one of my questions for you is how much time as, as, a, as a personal chef, as a fudge packer, as a mad scientist and... Um, recipe creator not in in addition to all the content creation like how much time per day do you actually spend in the kitchen cooking and experimenting uh it's different now because you know running a consumer product company is a full-time job being a consultant to corporations is a full-time job speaking at engagements is a full-time job Um, and so I'm doing all that full-time And so when I first started, it was in the kitchen every single day, several hours. And now it's maybe an hour a day here and there. And then there'll be two days that's fully dedicated just to that where I don't do anything else. So it it varies um, and it varies based on what's what's going on and what's most important. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, just out of need, you have to have other people cook and book you and do all that other stuff. And, and that's part of what I want to, because I don't have any other people. Do you not have any people? <laughs> no, it's just, what you see is just me to date. Wow. And that's cool until it's not cool anymore. And so I've been doing what I've been doing for four years and now it's getting to the point where it's not really cool being a solopreneur. Yeah. Um, and people make the assumption based on my Instagram or based on where, where fat fudges and all those retail locations that I have a team. It's just me. And, uh, and sometimes that'll play tricks on you because you have your friends that have a team of 20 or have funding or any of that kind of stuff. And you feel like you're failing and you're like, no, wait, 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 wait. It is just you Yeah. <laughs> and it's just your money. And so you're doing pretty all right. But now you get to the point where you plateau because you can only do so much as one person. Um, and I'm in a place now where I'm uh, expanding the business and expanding uh, the team. And uh, I'm really excited about it. And I'm really happy that I, I may have done it in quotations the hard way because I know exactly the way I want things represented. I know the process of everything. So 
when someone gets in that role and they explain to me what they're doing, I will understand it because I'm not removed the way some CEOs can be. And everything that I've created has been a creation from my, like, my gut. And that allows me when someone who might be more experienced and might have success with their product tells me something that doesn't align with this, that, that fire in my gut, I know to say no. Like, thank you very much. One day I'm going to write a book called Fuck Your Advice <laughs> because what works for you may not work for me and that's okay. Yeah. And I don't know that I would have that like that. You could call it being obtuse <laughs> or uh, having that sort of snacity had I not done it the hard way. I think all of us really do tend to learn the hard way anyways, just some of it, embrace it more. Well, it, I think every entrepreneur is so, you know, including solo entrepreneurs get to a point where they ask themselves like, how long can I do it like this? What, what will I be giving up if I give, if I delegate duties, like what, if I is not going to have my personal touch because in order to, to get larger and to do and to have the sort of impact on the planet that that you want, like you have to, you have to. If have that's what you want, if that's, if that's what, what you, want. you want, yeah. There's a difference between like, if I wanted to just be a private chef, I wouldn't really need a team. I would crush it just as a private chef. If I wanted to, I mean, fat budget, you have to grow a team if you're going to have a CPG company, or you can keep it, you know, artisanal. So it's like, what do you want? You, um, friend of mine says this. Uh, you don't have to grow your business. You just have to love your business. And in the age of competition of who can grow the fastest, who can get the most press hits, who can share more, who's more vulnerable, you might forget what you really wanted. So, I mean, be honest with yourself. And so I know that I want to pace the growth while it still maintains the integrity and the messaging that I want. And now I'm at a point where that message is there and now it's time to go bananas and I can't do that as a business of one. That has to be a full team supporting me so I can be plugged into all these other facets. Um, and again, I'm multidimensional with my businesses and my personality. Um, <laughs> and so that requires a lot of support. Well, and, and, and I know I, a lot of, a lot of the same elements I have in my life too, as a, as a, as a life coach, as a performance coach, as a podcast host, there's, there's certain things that I that I have to delegate because I also own um, sensory deprivation tank centers, float tank centers, and I I'm, I can't be there, so I have to have nine staff members that run those, yeah. you know. But but retaining for you, you know, f for because the food that you make and the products that you make and the speaking that you do, it's all you. It's it's Mary, and so what? How how long and how deeply can you? Uh, weave your personal personality and perspective in the world into everything that you do with other people running it or, or, or participating in it. And, and it sounds like that's kind of where you're at now. Is that, is that right? You're sort of at this like pivot point. Yeah. And it, being in that pivot point and being mindful in bringing on the right team members who will inherit what it is I see that way, when the team goes beyond the first five, those five will maintain the integrity of my word moving forward. So they're, they're like, they're my point guards. Yeah. What do you, um, do you cook with any uh, natural stacks products? I have clients supplement with it and I throw them into shakes, but I don't like put them, I don't like 
bake them into a casserole if that's what you're asking. <laughs> yeah, that that is actually <laughs> I I just did uh I've been tinkering around with the um I made some buckwheat. I'm so out of my league when it comes to cooking, but um I made some buckwheat and uh natural stacks whey protein pancakes. They were mm-hmm. they were actually they were good. They worked out and I I and I and I wondered if as I plug in my computer, I wondered if you tinkered around with with adding those sorts of ingredients anywhere. Uh, I use GABA a lot with myself and with some clients, and that depends on what comes back with some sort of testing. I have them do um, Smart Caffeine and Siltep is very popular, as well as MagTep. Those are the ones I have the most experience with. I think our listeners are going to be kind of because this is your return. This is your you've you've done this before with you've you've done the OPP before, and it's been it's been a while. And I know that y- your life has changed. Um, certainly, Natural Stacks has grown um, in in a lot of different ways. But I think that it would be really interesting to talk a l- about like mentality, um, sure, around entrepreneurship because I think that you're so unique and you've managed to to. Be yourself when it seems like it's so hard to to do that nowadays. When when they're you're on a chase for clicks and shares and gigs and appearances and stuff like that. What do you have like a governing mantra that you stick with in in your in your various businesses? You're gonna die one day. Yeah, and it and it could be in 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. So who am I really living for? Not to say it's a perfect formula. I have my days where I'm like, am I fucking up? Am I not doing the things that are, in quotations, growth hacking? Um, Should I maybe overlook the fact that I don't align with this person in real life and, and align with them for the sake of exposure? All those things go through my head because I am, who knows? We'll see if it's to a fault because I play the long game. But for the sake of this argument, to a fault, I manage my um, my morals and my values to the dying end. So I don't make those compromises. I don't cut those corners. I've and it it creates what feels like separation on like an island, but it also allows me to to be the island and work on what I need to work on and not be distracted. And so hopefully down the line, my island will have created an infrastructure and goods and services that are really valuable that I can export out and help other people. Well said. Does, was that individuality, have you always had that? Or did you cultivate that? I don't know. What do you think? You're the life coach. Do you feel like that could be cultivated? Or is it, is it innate and some people can maybe learn some of the vocabulary and body language of it? I think that I think that very smart some very smart people that understand how the how to play the game can can model and read and develop a strategy that that capitalizes on their own bright ideas and sweat equity. Um, I think that it's possible. I think it's rare that someone go that, that someone goes from um sort of a normie to a to a 
hard charging entrepreneur that has some success. I think that that's fairly uncommon. I, I would assume that, that, that for you, it's probably always been there. Uh, and, and, and your experience in corporate America was fine and suited your skill set, but ultimately wasn't fulfilling. And that's why you bailed. And that's why you turned all of your attention and, and your, your creativity into your own thing. Is that right? Who knows? <laughs> I think that I think part of that mentality is innate. And I think that maybe most people don't uncover it. Um, I've had my fair share of trauma far before being in a corporate structure, which again, who you are during the moments of transition defines what you're going to become. It's really easy to decide who you are when things are great and really easy to decide who you are and how you're going to survive when things are terrible. But those moments of transition between whatever you uncovered there ultimately tells you what kind of person or what kind of in quote success that you'll have. And so I think that I've had a sense of awareness from an uncanny young age, like memories of two and three, knowing that things are different in my environment, but was really quiet. And it wasn't until I started to experience things that weren't so great that I decided how I was going to approach those things moving forward. And life will keep throwing things at you. For most people, there are some very, some few people that have a charmed life and don't know what I'm talking about. But things tend to be good and bad at once sometimes and can be very, very traumatic and very beautiful at the same time. And all that's going to do is keep scratching at whatever you are, mm. of, at, like your bone deep character. Yeah. And how does that, <clears throat> what do you want to do with that? Right? Like once you've got, once you've dug down to having a better understanding of who you are and, and who you want to be and how you want to show up in the world, what do you make of it? Right? Yeah. I mean, I make a lot, I make the sport analogy a lot. I, I relate it to the transition ball. So ball goes up, comes off the rim. And there's just a few seconds that these players who are prepared for anything, they, they've done the work, they knew who they are, they know their positions. And what they do in those seconds determines if the ball stays on that court or drives to the other end. And sports are everything for me, by the way. <laughs> That's good. So we've got the island analogy. We've got the sports analogy. Yeah, I'll work on some more. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, keep keep hitting us with it. Can you tell our um, – just briefly sort of tell – Tell your story because I know I, I have an I have an assumption that uh, that a lot of our listeners already know who you are and already follow you on Instagram. Um, but for for those for those unacclimated, um, talk about don't doesn't need to be like oh here's my bio I do this I do that. But like, what's your day to day like? What sort of projects do you love to work on? And um, how did you how did you choose this life? Where do you want me to start? Do you want me to do what I do day to day? How I got to this point? <laughs> what my resume is? Um, let's start with how you got to this point. Okay, so sick and in pain from second grade till 25. So migraines, highs, hormone issues, and being told that that is either in my head or just my baseline and then thinking that I have to accept that. And I was in and out of the doctor's office a lot trying to figure out what was going on and it was very much difficult to pinpoint. So they would tell me, you have lupus, you have cancer, you have mercury toxicity. And uh, at some point, 
I realized, or maybe just accepted that I shouldn't be relying just on my doctors making guesses. I should be involved in those guesses too. And uh, doing some research online, found a TED talk by Dr. Terry Walls and uh, sent out my own lab work and came back with a, a conclusive celiac diagnosis, which is what I wasn't really expecting. And also a, a dairy and a case, uh, a casein, which is in dairy and a soy intolerance. And all this happened after one of my final ER visits. So part of the pain was my migraines. And I would have a headache every day, a migraine once or twice a month. And those migraines would sometimes send me to the ER because I would, I would vomit to the point of blacking out. Oh. And somebody would then find me in vomit. And oh. the assumption is you've overdosed on drugs. So you're in the hospital trying to explain to a doctor that it's just a migraine and they're yelling at you like, we can't help you unless you tell us what you took. And you're like, for fuck's sake, dude, <laughs> don't, don't make me a statistic. God damn it. Oh, no. <laughs> and then they also don't know how to get rid of the migraine. So in the hospital, they're just giving you IV and they're giving you morphine and something for the nausea. So the morphine just knocks you out. It doesn't really help with the migraines. And I had just had enough of that because that is not, I can't, you know, schedule in two ER visits per month. It's, it doesn't make, that's not sustainable. And so that's what ignited the whole, I'm going to figure this out myself. So when I got my diagnosis, I was super pumped. I was like, okay, cool. I'll just remove these things and I'll feel better. And sure enough, within three months, a lot of things shifted. A lot of the pain in the body went away. The headaches went away. And I was still in corporate America and somebody had noticed on my team, it, they would, I had colleagues that when I would hear them talk about me, they would say to things, things to other people like Mary's so positive and optimistic. She was like one of the best optimists we know, which I always found really interesting because I'm quite critical. And I, I had interjected once and a colleague of mine, we call meatball, I'm like meatball. I think it's really interesting that you said that about me because I think I'm actually pretty critical and usually you don't say anything nice to my face. So I was curious to see when you said that really nice thing behind my back. And he's like, Mary, you are really critical, but you always critique only when you have a solution or a backup to that. You're just, you're not just a complainer. And that's why I think you're such a great optimist. So someone at work noticed, um, that I had come to work with a new light to so like, you know, you're, you're always on it. You're always optimistic. You're always really great but I can see that there's a different energy to you now and that you don't have the heaviness of the pain. So like, what are you doing differently? And I explained my diet at the time paleo was becoming popular in San Francisco. And so I was like, it's something similar to the paleo diet. And I was going through what that is. And he said, you know, well, I don't really want to cook for myself. And do you just want to cook for me? And that came from the fact that I've always made food and brought it to work always. Um, and I had jokingly said, like, I don't cook for people. I run multi-million dollar contracts. Mur, 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 mur. And uh, he's like, you know, I'm willing to pay a private chef at this dollar amount, which I thought was really interesting. I'm like, cool. So in San Francisco, you can make good money and still be poor. So I'm like, this is a great side hustle. <laughs> um, support my scotch habit. And uh, so that was my first client. But within two weeks of that, I was also getting my wisdom teeth removed and I had to go under for that because of the way they were impacted and coiled in the nerve. And when I came to afterwards, my oral surgeon was like, I'm so excited for you to be my private chef. So I had already, my subconscious had decided that I was a private chef. Nice. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and those are my first two clients. So I did that for a few months and my body like 
gave up and it's like, you've got to pick one. This is too much. I was in full, I was sweating on, on 101 with my pants soaked. And so I took the day off from work to think about what it is I wanted to do. And, uh, I was at the ferry building with a friend who was playing hooky with, and I'm in my head like, Oh, what do I do? Do I stay? Do I go? It was this, like, going to be fiscally responsible type of thing. And I was so in my head that I didn't notice who was walking towards me, but I saw a gentleman walking up to the door at the ferry building. And because I'm a gentleman at heart, I opened the door for him because I got the door first. <laughs> and he walked through the door and he was surprised that I did that. And he was like, wow, thank you. And I was surprised that he thanked me. And I was like, you're welcome. And he walks away. And my friend looks at me and she's like, are you a moron? Are you that dense? You're trying to decide if you want to be a private chef. And you literally opened a door to Tyler Florence, who is a really well-known chef. Huh. In, I mean, in general, but especially in the Bay Area. And I'm like, oh, I guess, I guess that, that's, yeah, that's probably a sign, right? Like, what more? The door of opportunity. <laughs> like, what more could I be looking for? Yeah. So I first tweeted at him and said, sorry, I didn't realize who you are. I'm the asshole. So nice to make your acquaintance. And he was like, ha, 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 not dead. And the next day I went and resigned and went full in on being private chef. The next day. Good for you. Holy smokes. Wow. Yeah. When I, when I have an idea of something, I just go for it. And then in corporate America, I was known a little bit as a flight hazard because if I got up and went to work one day and was 1% not happy, I would resign and just go find another job. Yeah. Because if I'm not going to give you 100%, we're robbing each other and that's not fair. I'm, you know, detecting that theme of, of following your gut, you know, and wow, what a great story. So then the next day you quit and you've got two, two clients that you're cooking for. Mm -hmm. Was there a transition period where you were thinking, oh boy, I just, I just, I just, I just set my safety net on fire. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta really make this thing work now and that's okay. No, because you could always go back and get a job. Yeah. It's like a safety net is an illusion. You can make money doing anything. Like you could, I've been a bar back. I've washed cars. I've changed oil in the car. I've been a nanny, been a surgical assistant. I've like, you can get a job anywhere and, and make money. So it's not really like, a safety net. It's and yeah, no. If you've got to you, eyes forward, like commit to the thing that you're doing. Otherwise, it's a distraction. And if you have a plan B, that really tells me the integrity of your plan A. So like there was hmm. just a new plan A. Period. The end. And um, and you know there's there's timing, luck, and opportunity. There's um, timing. You know, paleo is becoming really popular. And there's luck. The fact that. I could get personal paleo chef and paleo personal chef. And then even getting paleochef.com is an interesting story in itself. And then there is opportunity seeing that there's all this opportunity and just following through on it. And then overarching on that is just being really honest in the process, being so transparent that um, no one can poke holes in what you're doing because I'm a private chef with no experience. I'm talking about food for health and I'm not a nutritionist. Um, and saying that I'm starting a new business, I have no idea what I'm doing and saying that. So then that way I feel really confident 
in the things that I don't know because I've put my cards out there. And it's also it's also so freeing to be able to speak openly and honestly about who you are and what you do so that you don't have to keep track of little fibs and stories that you've concocted, right? It doesn't make any, I, the whole, when people go, how do you listen to your gut? I'm like, how do you not? My stomach hurts so bad when I'm not listening to it. I want to vomit. I get dizzy. I'm like, my hands are sweating. How do you not listen to your gut? Like it, it wants you to do the thing and you ignore that. Yes. Not very primal. <laughs> <laughs> I think so many people do. I think we've, I think we as a culture have, uh, have, have learned certain ways of being and certain lifestyles and cer certain um, Protestant work ethics and uh, 48 hour work weeks where we get, we, I mean, I think for, for, for folks who aren't doing their own thing, who are not entrepreneurs or, or, or even have a side hustle yet, I think that they, they think they're doing what they should be doing just like you and I, cause we both had corporate jobs and sales jobs because it suited our traits and um, and yet we had to follow our, we had to follow our gut, but I think that it's, I think it's scary for people and I don't think that they know how to do that. Right. Well, not everyone wants to be an entrepreneur. You can follow your gut in a corporate environment. That's true. I, I it's, 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 I, when I, when I talk about this stuff, I always think about, there's a small percentage of listeners who are entrepreneurs and there's a larger percent of them who are in a nine to five and that is exactly one what, what they want to be doing but there's ways in that format to also be following your gut making sure you're making the right decisions for your particular role making sure you're in the right role within your organization making sure you're making those decisions in your personal life so those things can complement each other i think siloing your life or it's business and personal is completely separate uh i don't totally understand unless you know like like a private investigator and that has to be separate. <laughs> That's a great example. Yeah. Um, but making sure that you are following your gut and where that your, your whole life feels holistic. And, and I don't, and I don't know how to teach people that without like punching them in the face and like, go wake up type of thing. Like you're going to die one day. Um, and that's the only thing that I know how to deliver as far as the way to make that happen. And there's many different ways that can make you understand that. And you'll find the person that is preaching the thing that makes sense to you. Like even when I do talks to entrepreneurs, like I'll do a talk, I did a, a keynote around building a physical product and building it to a certain number. And I began the keynote with, okay, we're going to go through the slides, but before we go into the story, I want you to know that every decision I make about my business is informed by this one thought you're all going to die one day. <laughs> and you're like, that's not what you expect to hear on a topic related to conversions. Everyone kind of like, whoa, sits up. I'm like, okay, uh -oh. now I have your attention. <laughs> yeah. And you know this. Um, so I digress. I forget how we got on the specific tangent, but it was about the making that decision to be a private chef. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's, that's stoic. That stoic tenant is, um, is powerful. You know, it's, 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 it still resonates. Um, let's switch, let's switch to food a little bit. When is it hardest for you to stay in it? And I know that there are physical ramifications for you deviating from, from the best way for you to eat. I know that that, that makes it easier to not eat, you know, uh, you know, craft macaroni and cheese, but 
but what when is it hardest for you to stay disciplined about the your sort of dietary approach uh probably right before my period okay cravings and stuff and yeah so i'm not craving things that will make me sick like the things that are against my autoimmune stuff i'm not like oh i'm gonna have like a traditional pizza and a cake from down the street but i'll i'll crave more sweets in general and so instead of having a simple mills cookie that's grain free i'll have a box of simple mills cookie and i also don't really feel bad about it i'm just like this is this is this is what I'm going to do today. (laughs) This is where I'm at. (laughs) And I'll just deal with it tomorrow. Or there was, I can't remember. I think they're called unreal. My friend brought over these, these um, M&Ms that are colored with food dye instead of weird things. And they've got a peanut one. And so peanuts, I know I've been allergic to my whole life. Like I just get a rash on my elbows. It's not Uh more of an autoimmune thing. And so I haven't, I haven't had peanut M&Ms or M&Ms in a really long time. My friend brought over two bags and I don't know what happened, but in one day, and I'm not talking little fun size bags. I'm talking like the economy bags. Those were gone. And I don't ever want any one of those anywhere near me ever again, because for the next week and a half, I had the rash on my elbows. I'm like, not worth it. Not (laughs) worth it. So I know that peanut M&Ms are my weakness. Who knew? So something like that where it's on it's on this side of the fence of the things I'm allowed to eat but happens to be a little bit bad or like before my period. I, I don't think sugar is the enemy. I think how much you eat is the enemy. So like in those instances, it wasn't sugar that destroyed me. I'm the asshole that <laughs> destroyed me. <laughs> You had you had two bags instead of instead of a handful. Five. Yeah. Instead, <laughs> yeah, instead of one of each of the colors. How about how about for other folks? You know, as a as a as a consultant, and when when do you see other people um, struggling the most with with staying disciplined with their food intake? I don't see it often because you have to understand I'm working with professional athletes. I'm working with actors that are on major roles and I'm working with CEOs and founders of major corporations that we all use. So these people don't want to fail or don't look for an excuse to to fail. They're doing what is is prescribed to them and doing it above and beyond. That's just their mindset. Um, I think that if they're doing it for a role or if they're doing preseason versus postseason, there might be times when they're a little more relaxed or if they're on vacation, but they tend to stick to what it is we have in line for them. Um, I think sometimes when I'm consulting by proxy through someone else and it's someone who uh, wants to lose weight or is trying to deal with something that may not be serious but might be annoying to their health, they're they're just not ready and they'll make every excuse in the book. And I can't tell you why they struggle with that because I don't totally understand it. Yeah. Um, the what they struggle with will be anything, everything. You can't have temptation around them at all. Uh, and, and they'll go out and seek it. And I don't I don't totally get it. And then in those instances, I may not be the right solution for them. Got it. Yeah. So it's it's more of a mentality. Well, and how do you know what anybody's eating for? Is are they eating, are they eating for comfort? Are they eating for you know you know emotional, emotional need? Yeah, I'm only as good as information I have, and not everyone wants to be transparent about that kind of stuff. Yeah, 
God, it's refreshing. Do you get that a lot when you have conversations with, with people or appear on podcasts? They're like, damn, Mary, you're just real. You're just real as fuck. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I always, it always feels like bullshit. <laughs> really? <laughs> well, because I, I don't know if it's um, – it's like, it's like when people use the word epic and awesome. I'm like, everything can't be epic. That's just not the way the word works. So sometimes, you know, people are like, I'm real AF and I'm like, okay, cool. Do you mean that? Or is it (laughs) like, I don't say anything radical. I say things that we all know and I say them simply and suddenly that's radical. Like I'm not special. I'm not your coach. I'm not your guru, nor do I want to be. I'm more of an example. Like you can see what I'm doing and and follow the lead as it works for you, but I'm definitely not going to be your savior. I think it's just so uncommon, especially in, you know, personal brands, you know, where, where people are doing songs and dances to, to, to fit, to fit a thing. You're right. You're, you're doing it the right way. Uh, There is a right way when it comes to being real and being authentic and, and being transparent with who you are and what, you know, um, what you, what you think there is a right and wrong way. Fakers, fakers are lame. And I think, there is a movement going toward um, an, an, an appreciation of, of authenticity. Uh, but what does that even mean? Because now people are confusing authenticity with vulnerability and vulnerability for the sake of social capital. And then I don't understand that. Being authentic is not like, look at me and how I'm crying or how I'm sharing everything in my life but not actually doing the work behind it. So I think it's it's shifting there, but there's still work to be done. Like my human self can be like fakers are lame but then my wise self could say fakers just have a lot more to learn and that's that's where they are right now they are where they need to be to learn the lesson that they're going to acquire from that point yeah uh, and so I, I i go between my wise self and my human self my human self is like fucking figure it out yeah. stop but then my wise self is like hey you went through a lot of trials and tribulations maybe not what you're watching but your own that that brought you to where you are right now I did a post a few years ago um, that was kind of ranty, but it's called vulnerability. You're doing it wrong. And it was a clap back to people that were using vulnerability as social capital to get people to buy things, to get clicks. And I even threw myself under the bus there. Like, I'm really good at telling you, like when I sit with my therapist, like I can tell you what I did, why I did it, what was wrong about that and how I could correct it. But the fact that I can do that is all a way for me to build a wall so I don't actually have to feel it. Hmm. And so the work that I do is don't let me think about it. Let me feel about it. And a lot of people cut it off right here. They don't, they don't even want to go there. Hmm. Starting there, starting from how you feel about it and then working from there as your like sort of North star, not talking about how, not talking about how hard it is but actually like experiencing, experiencing that, that, and then operating from there and letting that be your guide for the things you say and the things that you talk about and how you work with people. Yeah. I think, um, I, I think the, the, the social capital associated with being vulnerable on public platforms, I think is a, is sort of a baby step for the, the, the sort of larger transition of the way that social media works. And, you know, a couple of years ago, there was there was less of it. You know, I think of like the Kanye meltdown and how, um, you know, whether that's 
whether that's performance art or like an actual live tweet of someone having a really hard time mentally um um or maybe maybe trolling um or just breaking boundaries like that's interesting and people are people connect with that and it stirs up discomfort um and, and i think that i think that all of us are um are are a witness to that that shift in the way that people express themselves on social media yeah but it's what do you do with the discomfort once you feel it well, a life coach would say, "You, you." <laughs> Do you know one? I know, I know a few. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> th- what? Wh- how is that useful to you? How is that useful? How is that discomfort useful? What? What are you? What are you learning about yourself? What? What are you learning about your values and what you want out of your life? What's th- What's the implication of that discomfort that you're experiencing on your family and your loved ones and your community? Because that's where everything starts. Um, how is it useful? What is it? What is it? Is it, is it like, is it a show or is it, you know, actual work to be done? And then be okay with whatever the answer, right? Cause there's no right or wrong answer. We're not living the other person's life, right? but just make sure you're comfortable with the answer, like in your body, comfortable with it. Yeah. Let it sink all the way in. Let it have some time to allow you to really to really feel what that feels like and then ask that question, whether it's you're asking yourself or you're asking your higher self or you're asking God to, 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 to help put some context around why you're feeling this way and what it means for your life because you're going to die one day. So do the work. Yeah. And I also, we are in an age where, Everyone is obsessed with self-development, or at least everyone in our space is obsessed with self-development, picking up every single book, doing every single hack. And self-development seems like such a privileged act now. Like, oh, good for you. You get to worry about self-development while other people in the world have to worry about real things. And instead of reading a self-development book, they're just developing. Mm-hmm. So do the work, but step away from all the tools and just be. And sometimes that is the work. That I think, yeah, I think that that's where the work starts. I think that's that's always the work, and it's and it's easy to turn on, and I do it too, you know, um, turn on Instagram Live and talk about your meditation. That's that's cool, but actually meditating is better, you know, like mm-hmm. talking about infrared saunas and 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 why they're good for you, and flotation tanks and why they're good for you, and volunteering, you know. Um, for populations that need your, that need help, like, like there's a doing and that's, that's sometimes it's hard to, uh, you know, turn, turn your camera on so that people can see you being good, you know? Yeah. Don't do, you don't have to do everything. Pick, pick the one or two things that fit in your life. Like you don't have to be reading four different books at once and making sure you get your acupuncture, your float tank, your goggle, your like weird goggle, like every, like people are like, it's getting all crammed in there. And I'm like, where is time for human? You've got every psychedelic coursing through your blood. You're injecting weird things into your penis. Like, like (laughs) where is the human element here? And and my wise self could be like, that might be their barometer of happiness and what gives them fulfillment. And because it, I, I don't understand it, I've got to step away and let it be. But I definitely don't want 
I just don't want people to expire without having been in really in their body and felt emotions versus trying to prolong their life or make sure that they're the strongest when they're here. And I always come back to that because a lot of my friends died for varying reasons. I did hospice when I was 16 to understand that process a little bit better. I'm on the one year anniversary of uh, my ex-boyfriend passing away. And the only way I can make sense of it, because of course they're all incredible people in different ways and it doesn't make sense like why they would be the ones to have to go. But the only way to, to, to feel like I honor their legacy is to make sure that I am as present as I possibly can be in this journey and building the things that I want to build and then making sure that all those amazing characteristics that they had that I'm paying forward and seeing that, seeing that light in other people. So that's what pushes this whole like, can you put down the book and go outside? Could you stop pussyfooting around the person you love and just love them? Can you show up for your family and your kids? Can you stop hesitating on the project you want to do, the painting you want to paint, the poem you want to write, whatever it is? Like just do it and relish in it and be proud of yourself. And most importantly, be good to yourself in that process. Yeah, here, here. And, and that doing that is hard to do. Um, activating on the things that that are important to you in your life and again this is very this is this is this is very coachy um territory but but activating on the things that you are important to you in your life not important to others is made harder when you have brain fog and harder when you're tired all the time and harder when you're not moving enough and you're you know you're drinking six beers every Sunday watching football all day. I love football. I mean, but, but you can't like, there are, there are things that are sort of standard, you know, American behaviors that we all do foods. We all eat, you know, beers, we all drink that, that can like derail us from the things that are actually important to us. And that's where food and nutrition and performance all come into this thing. You know, like, but what comes first, the mindset or the action? The decision I, or the, the, like the follow-through? Well, I think you can definitely fake it till you make it. I mean, I think taking, taking a blind first step just to kind of get the ball rolling, putting your shoes on and going outside without a real plan is a good idea. Um, um, but I think it's different for everybody. Some people, some people really need to have it mapped out and they need to see it and internalize it and then activate on it. And others just need to be like pushed or pulled into into it so that they can actually start doing it and um throwing away all the garbage in their cupboards you know so that they can actually have real food that will fuel their life um do you i I know i know people who i know people from both spectrums some people that actually need to plan it out okay tomorrow is going to be my first step and this is how i'm going to do it and other people just they just decided to go skydiving because they were going to change their life and it worked, you know? I think that actually rewrites your brain, the the near-death experience, even though it's more structured. Um, I've had a few people do that and, like, that changed their life. Yeah. Like, cool, I don't want to jump out of a plane. I'll let you on that. <laughs> well, I think it can be it can be something as simple as, like, a meditation practice or 
you know, public speaking or just pushing yourself out of your comfort zone to, to experience. And that's a cliche now too, with, you know, personal development, you know, growth starts at the end of your comfort zone, but it's true. Like you have to go out and fail a little bit to feel alive so that your brain can change and you can actually start moving on the things that, that are relevant, that are important to you. Yeah. You learn in failure way more than you learn in success. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have, do you have a core, you know, we've learned that you, that you're a, that you're a one woman wrecking ball, but do you, do you have people and colleagues that you really, do you get a lot of energy from people and do you surround yourself? You know, the five people cliche about you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Do you have, do you have like a core group of, of people in your community that you really vibe with? You know, I never really liked that saying because who wants to be the average of anything? <laughs> um, I think that, sure, you might be the average of the five people you spend time with, but you are one of those five. And if you're not raising the bar, you're bringing down the average. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have any particular person I spend a lot of time with. I have friends who are doing similar things that I'm doing. Um, and, you know, we see each other once in every, every while and like check in and it feels like nothing really skipped a beat, but not on a regular basis. It's usually me and my, my own, my own thoughts. Um, and going back to the island analogy, it's very much like I have all these other islands that, you know, import export stuff when we get to see each other. But for the most part, it's, it's, um, yeah, just committing to the work and being heads down about it. I have like my best friends, but they all don't live not even in the country. And it can be hard sometimes. It can be really, really isolating uh, to not have that. Um, and you can't manufacture it. I'm a very much an all or nothing person. And in our community, not a lot of people actually want to give their all when it comes to personal relationships. They want to set a reminder to check in with people every month, but they don't actually go deep. And because I can't go surface, I, I, <laughs> I do purposely do not um, make those connections very often. And I don't know if it's good or bad, but that's just the reality for me. That's interesting. Can't go surface. <laughs> I can't. It hurts me. <laughs> turns your turns your guts inside out, apparently. Yeah, a lot of inflammation as a result. <laughs> yeah, the weather is nice today. Uh, <laughs> or like, you know, they just want to check in um, just to talk about like how busy they are and aren't you busy and wow, things are epic and then they peace out and I'm more like, <laughs> Well, this happened the other day. I have a friend like that and uh, with surface level DMs and I go and I, I asked like, we were in conversation. So I asked like, how, so how are you? Like, how's life? How's your body? How's your heart? Hasn't replied. Really? Oh, that's <laughs> and I'm like, funny. Oh man, I've got some serious questions there. <laughs> and, and all I was doing was showing genuine concern. Yeah. I, I had another friend make an observation was she introduced me to some new people at the table and I was doing what I do. I'm inquisitive. And then I asked a question and the person paused and my friend Susan's like, Hey, when Mary asked those questions, she's one of the few people I know that like she asked because she genuinely cares. Like she wants to know, uh, and don't take that for granted. Like she's not asking to forget. And mm. it was one of those other moments where I was like, Oh, I didn't know that about me. Like, thank you. Oh, nice. You do know me. Hey, look at that. <laughs> but like, I, those are, those are the kinds of connections I'd like. And those connections aren't common. Right. No, they're not. And, um, I do this thing where this is going to make me sound so awful. 
um, <laughs> where I file them, right? You've got your CEO friends, your manager friends, your employee friends, your, your client type friends. And so you don't get that many CEO friends. Um, and, and that's okay. Like I, I can have a bunch of manager level friends where I will support the crap out of you professionally. I know I won't get a lot out of you emotionally or personally. And it's taken me a lot of work to be okay with that. Hmm. I, I used to not be okay with that. I would hurt me. I would take it personal. I'd be like, I have to correct your behavior and make sure you understand how to feel and connect and communicate. Hmm. Now, Maybe that's the best that they can do, and I need to accept them as they come and just be patient for when I find other friends who do want to, to go that that deep because I don't share everything on the internet, and I would like to be able to share those things with people in my life. Yeah. Yeah, having that right mix. Yeah. How do you feel about that that sum of five? Do you have your, your five? I really don't. No, I, I don't. I'm, I'm – I don't I'm, – I'm a uh, – I've got two kids. Um, my five is my five-year-old, my two-year-old, and my wife. Like we are, yeah. that's it. That's it. Like we have a goldfish. I guess that's five now. <laughs> What's uh, the goldfish's name? Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my, that's my five people. You know, um, uh, I don't go to a ton of like networky things. Um, you know, I'm a, um, business owner and life coach. And so I work on a, in a silo here in my, in my laundry room where I record podcasts and, um, um, and write blogs and prepare coaching material and presentations. And so like, I would have to go drive a half an hour into Seattle cause I live in the suburbs. Um, mm-hmm. I'd have to drive a half an hour into Seattle to meet with friends and people to do a thing. And I do that occasionally to, because I do, I, I, you know, I do need to get out of the house and see, see people a lot, um, not for work, just for fun. Yeah. But no, I don't, I don't really have, you know, um, you know, Ben, um, Ben from natural stacks, since he's moved up here to Seattle, uh, him and Roy, I see them and I talk to them a lot. And now that, uh, the offices are here in Seattle, like we hang out occasionally. Um, but, but it's not like we're doing happy hours three nights a week type of a thing. Yeah. Uh, and, and also I don't like it. I don't like listening to other people and their shit and their Same. advice. I just <laughs> don't. I, I really, I really don't. I really, I really don't. It's funny. It's an, it's an interesting career that I've chosen as a coach because like I'm, I'm giving people, I'm work. I'm not telling people to do anything. I, I let them come. I help them come to their own understanding of what they, what it is that they need to do. But um, I have I have a life coach for to help me grow myself, um, and I have a therapist that I see to help me work through my stuff. But you know, a f- five mover and shaker types that were like, you know, partying a couple nights a week and and really spending lots of time together. It just doesn't make sense in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's important to 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 highlight that you do have a wife and you do have kids because. Those are sources of great inspiration and great grounding and great love. And that's really important. And that's definitely a competitive edge that you have. Well, and it's, a, and it's, become, it's become an interesting dynamic because I, I chose this life. I chose entrepreneurship and personal development because I was passionate about it. But also I wanted flexibility in my life. 
so that I could, like I did this morning, go take pictures at my son's preschool talent show. Like Mm -hmm. I'm able to do that on a Friday morning because I have the flexibility because of the work that I do. And, and, Mm -hmm. and in, in doing so I've set up my life where I can be accessible. Um, but it has pitfalls too, obviously, because, um, I, I eat what I grow and, and if I don't plant any seeds then I'm not going to eat. And so I have to constantly be thinking forward and thinking ahead and, uh, in the different projects that I do, but um, I, 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 my wife and I have have purposefully and intentionally sort of laid out the life that we wanted, and we're living it, and we, you know, we try to stick to that. Yeah, um, doesn't sound like it's too bad over there. No, it's good. Yeah, <laughs> me and my, me and my laundry room. Um, I heard you, I heard you on a podcast talking about food allergies. Uh, and, and it's, and it's relevant, obviously, cause we're talking about like my family and my kids and stuff like that. Like I, I've noticed what sort of foods my, my family and I, myself react to and, and my kids especially react to, um, in, in simple, simple terms, um, what are some practical tips for people to sort of figure out? Cause you could do a food allergy elimination diet and, and, and fast and then have a glass of milk, have a giant glass of milk or 16 bags of peanut M&Ms and learn the hard way. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> right. But, but what are some, what are some practical tips that people can, can sort of look out for when they're, when they're thinking that they might have food allergies? Well, if you want to do it your own way, like on your own, it, it is the elimination diet going with like a really strict paleo uh, diet and then reintroducing things. And there's a bunch of different programs out there that are free that you can follow if you want to get more sciency about it, getting a uh, autoimmune test, a nutrition panel, a pituitary panel, those are all things you can get from your doctor, and then outsourcing a gut biome test. And those all together will inform exactly what you should and should not be eating today. Today, meaning like the next six months, and then you make your modifications and some of those things may shift. So the thing with that is more time, sometimes more money, and sometimes, well, not sometimes, always, no excuse not to follow through. Mm-hmm. So it depends on how, how much you want to hold yourself accountable. That's phenomenal advice. Those, those tests, yeah, that's, that's, that's really great. I think especially the outsourcing, the gut microbiome to figure out what, what sort of cooties you have in your, in your gut that are good. What sort of cooties you need more of, you know, that that's, that's huge. We had, obviously we had, that was the the first episode when I took over the podcast, the first episode was leaky gut, leaky brain. And Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's the, the scientific advancements are just fascinating to be able to know like, Oh, you need more of this kind of cootie in your tummy and you'll feel better. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. I mean, the fact that that, that information is available to us right now is, the, don't, again, don't take that for granted. Utilize it. Yeah. Uh, and all those things together paint a full picture. If you do just one, just know that you're only doing one side of the painting. Like It is good to do all of them. Yeah. What your, what's your take on um, um, cannabis and CBDs in food? Depends on what you're using it for. So if you're treating something can be very powerful. Um, CBD and, and cannabis are two different things. Like I'm 
not going to give a professional athlete cannabis <laughs> before they're going to go into a game. <laughs> um, I don't, I actually don't, this is a topic that I think I've been hearing a lot more lately in our community and it's all coming from like cannabis for performance. It's not coming from a single professional athlete though. So I, I don't know what their idea of performance is. Um, I doubt you'll see a Olympic runner dosing cannabis before they do a run, but they might take CBD post run for recovery. Um, but that's just based on my experience with the types of people that I work with. But it really depends on what the use is for. CBD, I think, can be really powerful. I have a tumor, a pituitary tumor that I've named Herbert, which I started talking about. <laughs> I started talking about publicly a couple weeks ago. Um, and I CBD is part of Herbert's treatment plan. <laughs> <laughs> How's Herbert feel about it? Um, Herbert doesn't get to have an opinion on how he feels about it. <laughs> uh, my, my, to be clear, it's a non-cancerous tumor. It's, um, it, uh, what's his name? Tony Robbins had one that caused the giganticism and yeah. it manifests with producing milk or messing with your hormones or eyesight or migraines. Um, and so I have headaches, eyesight and hormone issues that I'm, I'm dealing with. And so CBD, turkey tail, removing coffee, reducing fruit intake and then doing some other weird stuff is, is the treatment plan. Hmm. Um, cannabis for me personally makes me really stupid, makes me really tired. Um, it, it, those things have a different effect on different people for, for different reasons. So I think there's a use for everything when it's, when it's done mindfully. Yeah. Do you follow any of the, um, the cannabis chefs or cannabis sommelier, cannabis sommeliers that are using it? Yeah. 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 That's really fun. A lot of fun. Yeah. It's something, it's, it's, it's something that I'm fairly passionate about and interested in. Um, just cause I've seen it, um, I've seen it, I've seen it help so many people, you know, um, yeah, I tincture in, in, an, in your drink in the evening time, you know, it's part of my evening routine is, um, CBD tincture, MagTech, GABA, if I'm, if I feel like I need it. Um, uh, the, the prebiotic plus, um, infrared sauna, but I've, I've found that it's, that it's, that it's really helpful, um, for a lot of different ways. And I, I was curious about your take on it. Yeah. When you say CB tincture, you're talking about like a, whatever ratio to CBD to THC. Yeah. So I do, um, we actually had them on, uh, it's called good vibes. Um, it's from Sabite and, mm -hmm. um, it's a, it's a, it's a hundred percent CBD. So there's no THC in it. Um, yeah. I guess it's C the CBD is really powerful. THC for me just miss not doesn't doesn't work. Yeah. And my my first time using marijuana was actually under a doctor's recommendation for my migraines way back. Oh wow. Then. And this did not help my migraines at all. Interesting. But then I know a lot of people that that stuff's really powerful for the pain in their body. Yeah. So I mean, you're gonna everyone everybody has like physical body has a different medicine but figuring out what that is right? and then making sure that if it does have other side effects, that it's not affecting your livelihood. Right. Yeah. No, that's important. So what's next? What's next that you can talk about? And that's such a corny, corny podcast question, but I know yeah. you're working on a thousand things right now. Um, what, what, what are you excited for? Like, what are you, what are you working on now that you can talk about that, that, that people might keep an eye out for? 
Uh, well, extending fat fudge. So vegan is coming out as is a uh, coffee-free, honey-free one that's strawberry with collagen and cordyceps. Whoa. So, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Collagen and cordyceps? In the fat fudge. In the fat fudge. So I removed the coffee, the cacao, the maca, the cayenne, and the honey. And I put in strawberry, beets, collagen, cordyceps. So that's for like a – you can have that one at night if you want or you can have it uh, before a workout if you are a caffeine-free person. And uh, there, there might be a Fat Fudge Naturals Diets collaboration. Oh! We don't know. I brought it up to, to Ben. We'll see how that goes. So for me, what's next with Fat Fudge is identifying companies that are doing things that I really like, products that I use. And instead of seeking out the ingredient or white labeling it, making sure that people know that I've chosen to work with this company so it's more inclusive. I don't understand companies that white label other people's stuff or want to have every offering and box people out. So again, leading by example, I'm looking forward to incorporating the organizations that I appreciate how they built their business into my organization and sharing that, that journey and that process along the way. Mm-hmm. So Fat Fudge will be having a full team. Um, I'm speaking to investors because I've decided I cannot do this by myself anymore at the level I want. I'm very much over bootstrapping. Um, relaunching my YouTube show, which will now transition into a podcast format, which I'm really excited about. Um, and yeah, there's a, there's a few things I'm working on with other major corporations and other chefs that I can't talk about the details, but looking forward to them seeing the light of day when they do also preparing myself if they don't, because things like that, that change all the time. And then, um, yeah, a lot of my clients I don't get to ever talk about, but looking forward to continuing to getting those types of clients and knowing that I impact some of the movers and the shakers in the world behind the scenes is really always like, that's always fascinating to me. Yeah. Yeah. That's fun. Well, that's, that's really exciting. I, uh, I'm, I'm a giant fan of the fat fudge. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to trying the strawberry, uh, that's a, that's a lot of different changes to the, I mean, that's, that's a lot of ingre- different ingredients. I mean, that's, those are major changes. Oh, I mean, it's not really changes, right? Just be a new version, right? There's right. original vegan. I don't know when they'll call this one yet. Then there'll be the one that's more of like a recovery that I'll do with the natural stacks, uh, product and it's just expanding the line. So yeah. it's really, I mean, I think with the one version, the fact that it is in whole foods and Erwan and thrive and all these other places i think i've proved the concept i think (laughs) i think it's a viable product i think that's safe to say and so now it's expanding it doing flavors that are more recognizable because original isn't sweet and it's got a combination of spices where people like this isn't fudge i go right it's fat fudge there's a difference yeah read the label dummy but i can't like that is made for people like you and i where we want whole ingredients that are not very sweet that's not really mass market and i want to start being able to recruit mass market so doing things that are more recognizable like strawberry and then educating them on why it's low sugar why it's high fat um and and just i don't know crushing it i have some lofty goals with that business that's cool well uh I'm I'm going to be watching and thank you for teasing the uh, the potential the conversations of a natural stacks collabo. That's I know. Does that mean like I had like Ben's committed now? If I like isn't it binding? <laughs> we didn't sign any contracts today, Mary. We're good. We're good. We're just talking. 
Uh, well, we'll we'll link to all your show notes and all the information. Um, this has been just a really refreshing and open and free flowing conversation, and I'm really glad that we had an opportunity to to meet and and talk in person on the internet. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to connecting down the road and seeing what else is coming from you. Michael, it was a pleasure speaking with you. Thanks, Mary.